Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. Last week we heard the parable of the Good Samaritan. Immediately following that exchange with the Lord in the parable is the narrative before us. They come in quick succession. The commentary I read this week talked about the importance of the complementary relationship between the parable and this encounter with Mary and Martha. The commentary said, The story of the Good Samaritan develops the meaning of the command to love one's neighbor. And the story of Mary and Martha highlights the overriding importance of devotion to the Lord's word as an expression of one's love for God. In other words, Jesus hates housework, right? That's right. So if you have a messy home at home at your house, you are much better graces with God. Okay, not really. That, don't quote me on that. Um, but it does raise, spark a very good question. If you had Jesus standing before you, what would you do? Are you the kind of person who thinks, I'm going to pull up a cushion, I'm going to sit at his feet, and I'm going to learn as much as I possibly can from him? Are you the kind of person who feels like a gathering of this importance deserves some cheese and crackers? Because let's face it, whenever Jesus shows up, there's always food. We need Martha's. Or in our case at St. John's, we need people like Betty Lou, who will go and make some supper. See, I think this is more than just a case of Jesus hating housework. But feel free to quote me if you don't want to clean your house this week or someone comes over and judges you for not having a clean home. You can make up a nice picture that says Jesus hates housework, Luke 10, 38 to 42. Because don't worry about the dog care that's piled up in the corner. God made dogs. God made dog care. So God must love dog care. Don't worry about the dishes in your sink. They'll be there tomorrow. Go home this afternoon. Don't do much of anything. And enjoy the rest of your afternoon. This story, however, is, it's not much about housework. It's more about Jesus upsetting for the second time in quick succession the social boundaries of the day. It's not in the realm of possibility that Jesus would have entered the house of Mary and Martha. Remember in Luke 10, 8, that we heard two, two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, Jesus instructs the 70 to eat whatever is set before you. Jesus is doing exactly what he instructed his disciples to do, to be open to the hospitality of strangers. Really, it's the world behind the text that makes this story come alive and hold radical implications for us today. So let's try to do some audience participation today. Samaritans, are they high up on the social ranking or are they pretty low? High or low? Low, right? Women, high up on the social class or at the bottom? Bottom. I, and I would argue that a Samaritan, especially a male Samaritan, can hide behind his gender. And therefore was a higher social class than an Israelite woman. It was only after that a Samaritan probably would have spoke that everyone would have known that he is not an Israelite. Because Samaritans are from the south, so he must have had a southern accent. I'm not joking. Samaria is in the south, so that was my Hebrew uh, professor. She was from the south. She was from South Carolina, so she always talked about how Samaritans, how the Hebrew Bible should be read in a southern twang because Samaritans were the ones who preserved the text. Y'all aren't laughing at my jokes too well today, are you? I'm going to stop while I'm ahead. The culture of the time saw women as beneath men, but notice who is sitting at the feet of Jesus. 
Mary, a woman. A woman is sitting in the place of one of his disciples, and Jesus is not telling her to move, to help, to go help her sister make the sandwiches. Jesus, who is an honored and esteemed guest of high social status, has invited Mary, a woman, to sit at the place of his disciples and hear the word of God, immediately elevating her social status in the room and in the world. Rabbinic lore from the time says, Let thy house be a meeting house for the sages, and sit amid the dust of their feet, and drink in their words with thirst, but talk not much with womankind. The wisdom of the day said that men should be learning from the great sages, not women. Here, the greatest of all the sages invites a woman to sit at his feet and refuses to send her away. Social standards of the day say Mary was acting like a male. She neglects her duty to assist her sister in the preparation of the meal. And by violating a clear social boundary, she is bringing shame upon her house. But this is Jesus the Savior of the world, the one who is foretold by prophets, the one who was born in a stable in Bethlehem, whom the angels sang about as the glory of his coming into our world. Jesus is the one who constantly tears down social boundaries and replaces them with God's grace and mercy. This Jesus is different. St. John calls him the Word made flesh. Luke's Christology, Luke's theology, really helped John identify Jesus as the Word made flesh. We hear these things in such as Luke 5, 1. Luke writes, Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of the Gerasenet, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the Word of God. Luke 8, 11. Now the parable is this, the seed is the Word of God. Or 8, 21. But he said to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the Word of God and do it. Luke believes Jesus is teaching to be the word of God, that Jesus speaks on behalf of God the Father. So if Jesus is inviting you to sit at his feet, you sit, because you will hear the word of God. Nothing else matters in the moment, because Jesus is about to speak on God's behalf. Yes, eating is important, but that can happen later. Although Martha is fulfilling the role assigned to her by society, she allows secondary matters to distract her from hearing the word of God. After all, as Jesus said to the devil as he was tempted in the wilderness, one does not live by bread alone. In some ways, Mary is doing exactly what a disciple is supposed to do. Leave everything behind and follow Jesus. To understand what is happening here, it's best to view the encounter with Mary and Martha through the, through the lens to the parable of the Good Samaritan. The story of the Good Samaritan features a certain man, while Martha is introduced as a certain woman. Luke starts these two narratives exactly the same, includes issues surrounding discipleship, and then talks about Jesus' expectations of what a good disciple is. The good Samaritan exemplifies a disciple seeing in a similar way. This narrative exemplifies the virtue of hearing. Part of being a disciple means you do things and, that, and you also you listen. Disciples are not just people who go out each day and make sure the last, lost, least, little, and lifeless are cared for. The church is not just a social justice organization with sacraments. Disciples need to also make time to sit at the feet of their Lord. 
We need to make time for the Lord. But we are not oblivious to the suffering of people in our world and community. God's word should move us to care for others. But we must first hear it. Moreover, both the Samaritan and Mary, a woman, represent marginalized persons, unlikely heroes. As a composite, they are model disciples. Those who hear the word of God and do it. Marginalized persons have a place around the feet of Jesus. They are indeed heroes because they recognize the importance of hearing the word of God and respond accordingly. Martha takes it upon herself to tell Jesus what he ought to do. Mary, though, lets Jesus tell her what she should do. By choosing to attend to Jesus' teaching while laying aside everything else, Mary exemplifies what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Do not let anyone ever tell you that coming to church is a bad thing, that it's a waste of time. Don't let anyone ever tell you that we Lutherans are not a Bible-believing church. When you come into this place, you sit at the feet of Jesus You hear his word, are fed on his body and his blood, and then you go out looking to help the last, the lost, the least, the little, and the lifeless. You are a disciple of Jesus. Age does not matter. Race does not matter. Gender does not matter. You matter to Jesus. Do not let worldly social rules, roles, and standards stand in your way of sitting at the feet of Jesus. As Jesus says about Mary's decision to sit, What she has chosen will not be taken away from her. And neither will your decision to sit at the feet of the Lord be taken away from you either. To love God with all one's heart and one's neighbor as oneself meant then and now that one must often reject society's rules in favor of the codes of the kingdom. A society without distinctions and boundaries between its members. The rules of God's society are just two. To love God and one's neighbor. But these rules are so radically different from those of the society in which we live that living them invariably calls us to disregard all else, to break the rules and follow Jesus' example. And I guess this means the world is probably going to hate you because you follow Jesus, you make time to sit at his feet, and you care for your neighbor. And that's okay. Because this world does not hold the keys to your future. Our future is radically different. And it is near. Do not worry about the housework this day. Sit at the feet of Jesus. For you not only deserve it, but you need it. So that you can care for your neighbor.